volunteers, and surely we have several in here, and I was thinking, I know there's lots more. We have basically an army of volunteers that it takes to pull off Wednesday nights, and I realized they're all teaching in KidZone as well, so we're doubly thankful for them and how they volunteer. Next week, uh, we'll be taking a break from Ecclesiastes, and I'll be doing session number one of a marriage workshop on Sunday morning. So next Sunday morning, I'll be teaching on marriage, and then that evening, we'll begin a three-week workshop, so three weeks on Sunday evenings on marriage, with a bonus fourth week on parenting. There's more information about that in your bulletin if you'd like to attend. So, um, why don't we all take a big breath? Uh, Let's go in and go out. Okay, I've got some bad news for you as a church family that probably, um, probably is a shock. We haven't emailed this out. This just happened yesterday um, or maybe late the night before, but um, our sister Annabelle has passed away. So, um, 102. 102 years old, and every time... I would go to see her. She would tell me, boy, I loved working with the primary department. You know, I ran the primary department for a long time. <laughs> and uh, she, loved the, she loved working with kids, boy. I know she worked with cubbies for a long time. Uh, when, when I came, she was still mentoring in Kids Hope. And I think, I think Linda and I agreed she was 94 years old when she had to finally stop mentoring uh, for Kids Hope and meeting with her her little boy that she'd bring snacks to and play games with and, and just love. Um, every time i go see her, she'd say, oh, I'm sorry I haven't been able to come to church lately. I'm trying. <laughs> when you're 100 years old and in a nursing home and can't drive anymore, you get a pass, you know, so it's okay. But let's pray for the family. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Annabelle and her example and her life and her impact here. And I know there's so many people that have been impacted by her, taught by her, um, recruited as teachers by her, um, served alongside her, loved her, cried with her. Lord, there's so many people that that know her. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless and keep each one. And um, Lord, that you would you would speak to us through your word today, as Lord, as we open it, Lord, I pray that you'd have a word for each of us that would help us think about our words. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Reese, come on up. We're working through the book of Ecclesiastes, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can open me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Ecclesiastes and chapter 5, and this morning, Reese is going to try to break Sully's record. So he's going to light a match, and we're going to count and see how long he can keep it lit. So you can hold both of them. All right, so ready we go, 1,001, 1,002, so we can be accurate. All right, we're going to be ready. There you go, 1,001. 
1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, 1,007, 1,008. Oh, I was trying to help him see that it was still lit because the flame was so small. Should we let him do it again? Yeah, yeah, you get another one, Reese. Because it was my fault. Because I think some of them were like, I don't even think that thing's lit anymore because the flame was so small. And here, I'll take that one. You have the match and the new one. Okay. Here, I'm going to start here. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, 1,007, 1,008, 1,009, 1,010, nine and a half. Very good. Give me five. Very nice. Good job. Now, why do we do that? We do that because in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And what vanity means is that life is fleeting. It really, really goes quick, and it is really, really unpredictable, kind of like a matchstick. Though, like a matchstick, life has a beginning. You strike it. It has a middle when the flame is bright, and it has an end when it goes out. It's life. It goes quick, and it's unpredictable, and the book of Ecclesiastes has something to say about how to live and how best to live. So, this morning we're going to talk about how life is too short and life is too unpredictable not to listen well. How life is too short and too unpredictable to use our words flippantly, hastily, to not say what we mean and mean what we say and be very, very careful with our words. Life is too short to talk too much. And life is too short to not follow through with what we say. So this morning we're talking about how to use our words with the idea that life is very, very short and unpredictable. So here we go in chapter 5, verse 1. As we talk about three questions, I guess I'm going to introduce this here, three questions about our speech, because our speech reveals how, whether or not we respect God. Our speech really reveals what we think about God. So I appreciated David Gibson's analogy, if you're reading along with us. He said we, and I'm going to put this in my own words, he said we, we think that when we're talking to God, like in prayer, he's on the other end of a phone. Like he has this golden spiritual microphone up there that he's listening to, and then when we're done praying, we hang up, put it in our pocket, and then God doesn't hear what we say after that type thing. His point is, when we're on the phone praying, and I would add, all the time when we're talking, I'm going to put this on wrong, but you're going to get the idea, he, God, is listening to our hearts. As we speak, God is listening to our hearts saying, what is her heart really like? What is his heart really like? What do they really, truly believe? Where are they truly at? So, so when you talk, it's not that you can speak without God hearing. And it's not that you can, God only hears the message that you're saying. He hears your heart. 
every time you speak. So life is too short to not listen. Life is too short to talk too much. And life is too short to not follow through. So three questions about whether or not you respect God. And this will, this will really help you evaluate your speech. So here we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Okay, so how do you guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord? Well, here's how you do it. And I'm telling you, I think you guys do this really well. You go to listen. Again, I mean, this is a church that likes biblical teaching. This is a church that's really big. Man, if, if you don't get a sermon based on the Bible, built on the Bible, you're ticked, and you're going to let whoever is in charge know. This is a church that values biblical teaching. So, so this is something that I think, and you guys listen for it, man. You take notes. You follow up. You ask questions. Like, this is a church where this is a really high value. So I think you're doing this really well. Guard your steps as you draw near. Let me just read it again. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. They don't even know anymore because they've done it so often. It's just common. It's just habitual. They just go on flippantly offering sacrifices without any thought. I'd I'd almost prefer somebody else say this because... (laughs) I'm, I'm just going to, like, level with you, and I'll just tell you, like, with a measure of vulnerability, some of the biggest regrets that I have in life. So when I'm laying awake at night replaying things in my mind that I wish I hadn't done, rash speech is always near the top. Like, man, I can't believe I said, why would I, I that hurt them so much when I said that. I mean, this is serious stuff. Like, this, this will, this really matters. Be not rash with your mouth, Nathan. <laughs> I'm just going to put my name in there, you know, because Nathan has a big mouth. Be not, my name is Nathan, by the way. Don't think I'm calling someone out. <laughs> Be not rash with your mouth, nor, lest, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Like, okay, you just need to remember that you think that maybe when you're praying, you're talking to God, and then when you're done praying, you hang up the phone and put it in your pocket, and now God can't hear you anymore. Everything you say is before God. Every word you utter is before God. Every word I utter is before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. This is a point of like, okay, so have some respect for God because he's in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, do not, therefore, I'm sorry, therefore, let your words be few. Here's an idea. The less stuff you say, maybe the less apologies you'll have to make. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, as far as, I mean, I, I'm not, I always ask about what a dream means here, and the bottom line is, I don't know. 
The bottom line is, I think dream, you know, I'm just going to give you my best guess. My best guess is that dreams are not reality. And so the further out of touch we are with reality, the more busyness and the more words we have, and the more we lie and speak hastily in a way that creates damage. And a fool's voice with many words. Like, the more you talk, the more mistakes you make. So, question number one. Do you listen well? Okay, so three questions about how you talk and how much you talk and uh, do you listen well? Again, I, I said, I think as a church, man, this church is committed to listening to the Lord. This, this church is committed to studying our Bibles. This church is committed, man. I, you guys bring your Bibles to church. You enter the house of God, ready to hear a word, ready to take notes, ready to listen. I think, I think my question is, are you that committed to listening to others as well? Like, so God created people in his image and in his likeness. So, so a way to respect God is to listen to God. It's also to listen to the people that you live with, or to listen to the people that you go to church with. This is really important that, that we learn to listen well. So there's a Lutheran pastor who grew up um, on, a, on a sheep farm and grew up kind of as, as a shepherd and then became a, a pastor and wrote a book on pastoral care. And, and he wrote this. He said, in my experience, the listening itself provides an immensely therapeutic benefit. Just sit and listen to people. Like, you don't have to be a pastor to sit and listen to people. In fact, people might be more likely to talk to you if you're not a pastor. In my experience, the listening itself provides an immensely therapeutic benefit. Most people in our time are frenetically occupied with so many things that they don't take the time to sit down and unburden their hearts. Hey, does that remind you of last week? Remember we talked about how the wrong kind of ambitions can drive us to not having any friends? Remember I, I drew the picture up there of the, all the, you know, the mountain peaks and the one guy all by himself on the mountain peak and that was a picture of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let me read part of that to you. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person, I have one person underlined in my Bible, who has no other, all by himself, super lonely, either son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. His eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity and an unhappy business. Remember we talked about how this is like most American males trying to climb the mountain, and they're so busy climbing the mountain of their career, or they're this or they're that, they have no time for anybody. So they're super, super lonely. And what this pastor is saying is, most people... Most people don't have any friends. So when they have to unburden their hearts, there's nobody to listen. There's nobody to listen. So let me ask you, like, is there anybody that would listen if you needed to unburden your heart? 
Like if, if you said, I, I, I have to talk to someone about this. I have to. If I don't talk to someone about this, it's going to like turn into cancer and eat me. Do you have anyone you could talk to about that? Like now's the time before that happens to start investing in those friendships. That's the second part of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two, in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. We talked about it's inconvenient, but it's do it. So, so anyway, back to our pastor here. He says, they don't take the time to sit down and unburden their hearts. And if they ever are inclined to do so, there's no one to listen. So simply by giving someone your undivided attention for 60 or so clock ticks, you've given them an immense gift. So just by sitting and listening to them pour out their hearts, you are doing tremendous good and a tremendous service for them because no one else, no one, they, they haven't maybe done the work to invest in anyone else that would sit and listen to them. Do you do that for people? Do you sit and listen to people? Is there room in your life that you could tell somebody really needed to talk? Is there enough margin in your life that you could sit and listen to them? Would you clear out space for them? Man, it really starts here. Chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Like, it's I can't tell you how important it is to listen. Listen. As you think about how short and how unpredictable life is. Do you make time to listen? So, life is too short, too unpredictable not to listen. Number two, life is too short, too unpredictable to talk too much. To talk too soon. To say too much. To speak in a way that is hasty and not thought out. So this is verse 2 in chapter 5. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Hey, do you think before you talk? Do you listen before you talk? Saying the first thing that comes to your mind, I, I mean, I could like, show you some wounds I have from that. Please don't do that. Please follow this advice. Be not hasty. Be not rash. I really thought uh, David Gibson was wise uh, when he wrote that he, he kind of asked the question, why is it that we don't listen you know, why is it that we think we can just talk? Why is it that we think we can just answer? Why is it that we just jump in? And he said a lot of times it's, it's because we think we already know the answer. Well, I know what you need to do, and we just jump in and give them an answer, and then they haven't even finished talking yet, and we're interrupting them to tell them what they should do. It's like, that's so insulting. 
and you get it so wrong, and they never want to share anything with you again. Please just sit and listen. Please try to learn something. But the idea that I already know what you need before you even ask, you're not God, and I'm not God. So please calm down and listen. So he writes this, the correct approach with a struggling friend who comes to you and says, I really don't understand what's going on in my life, or I'm really confused by what God is doing, or I'm really this or really that. The correct approach with a struggling friend starts with a humble awareness of the profound fact that God is in heaven and I am on earth. Do you recognize that phrase? So first start with that. You're not in heaven. You don't have God's view. I am unlikely to understand this mess any more than you do. I thought that was such a blessing. I thought that line was so important. God is in heaven. I am on earth. I'm down here, and I'm lost in the woods just like you are. But in our confusion, we have words to read that tell us who God is, what he's done, and what he will do one day. Let's anchor our souls to God's truth. That's what we can do. I don't know what God is doing in your life right now or why he allowed this or why he brought this into your life or what. I don't know all the stuff because I'm not omniscient. You know, I'm, I'm not all-knowing. I'm on earth. God is in heaven. But here's what we can do. We can anchor our souls to God's truth. Do you listen? Do you listen first? Are you quick to listen? Number two, are you, are you slow to speak? Do you slow down? Number three, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, okay? So you're in trouble, you're in big trouble, and you're like, God, if you just get me out of this, I'll give you... you know, and then you can fill in the blank, right? God, if you just get me through this, I'll give you... God, if you just heal them, I'll give you kind of that idea. When you vow about a God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in, what's that next word? <laughs> Fools. Only a fool would make a promise to God they don't intend to keep. I mean, that's pretty strong language, but Ecclesiastes doesn't have time to mince words because life is too short and life is too unpredictable to dance around the bush. Let's just say it. And that's just what he's doing. Like, let's just say it. So pay what you vow. Four little words. Let's just be clear. Just come through. Do what you say you're going to do. Even, even if it wasn't on the phone to God in prayer, like saying, I'm going to do this. Everything you say is before God. So when God hears you say, I'm going to do this, please come through on it and do it. If you don't, it kind of reveals something about your heart, doesn't it? Pay what you vow. I read a book one time called Credibility in Seminary. It was one of the big books on leadership. And the idea, and it was a business world book. And anyway, the, the idea was if you want people to trust you, if you want influence with people, if you want to lead people, there is one discipline you absolutely must have. Above all others, there is one discipline you absolutely must have. Do what you say you will do. It's that simple. Do what you say you will do. Come through on your word. Pay what you vow. It is better 
that you should not vow than that you should vow. This is what Jesus said when he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to swear on all kinds of stuff. Just do what you say you're going to do and not pay. So it is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth, let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I didn't mean to vow. It was just, I, I vowed on mistake when I was in a hurry. Don't do that. Why should God be angry at your voice? Okay, you're not going to like this next part. This part, you'll be like, I don't know if that's in the Bible. That's really hard. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Like, you make a promise to God and then not do it? Do you think God's just going to sit up there in heaven and be like, well, i got to be nice? I mean, do you think it will be hard for God to destroy what you make? Do you think you have a portfolio that God can't touch? Do you think you have a financial advisor that can keep your portfolio safe from God? If you make a vow to God, you've made a vow to God. Pay your vow to God. This is what he's saying. Like, come through. Do what you say you're going to do. Because that communicates your heart about God. That communicates whether or not you respect God. If you're willing to disrespect God, it shows you don't respect God. And where does that leave you? For when the dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So this is what we've been saying. We've been saying your words reveal your level of respect for God. You're speaking and God is listening to your heart. So, will you follow through? So he said, number one, will you listen? Number two, will you slow down on your speech? Are you too quick to talk? And number three, will you follow through on what you say you will do? Will you do what you say you will do? Look, I think this is true for everybody. I mean, I think life is short and life is unpredictable. And um, everyone would do well to slow down and listen Everyone would do well to think about the words they use before they say them. Everyone would do well to follow through on what they say. I mean, who wouldn't benefit from that? But I think for Christians, this is especially true. Like, this is, like, if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you could take this or leave it. I mean, I hope you, I hope you take it, but... You don't have to. If, I mean, if you're not a follower of Jesus, do it. I mean, you can do what you want. Like, you're not, you're not committed to following Jesus. So, but if you're a follower of Jesus, like, this is something you have to think about how God kept his promises and model your life after God keeping his promises. So, I, I mean, I think of the book of Matthew, and over and over there's a phrase used in it. That describes what, is, what God is doing in Jesus. And so, you know, if I was to read to you from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we read, She will bear a son. This is when the angel is talking to Joseph. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So, like, that's a big phrase. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. God had made this promise, and God was keeping this promise. 
God had made the promise to save his people from their sins. God is keeping the promise to save his people from their sins by sending his own son. And so we read, And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here's the thing. For Christians, like you, what you have to know is that Jesus is God keeping his promise. Jesus is God following through. So whatever you take from this, you take from this, God follows through on his promises. So this is, this is good news because if you turn to him and ask for the forgiveness of your sins, he'll do that. He said, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive your sins. And you're modeling your life after Jesus who didn't just sign up, he showed up. You're modeling your life after Jesus who didn't just talk about joining us in the mess. He actually came and joined us in the mess. You're talking about Jesus. You're following Jesus who made promises and kept promises. So listen first. Talk less. Keep your word. After all, you're a Jesus follower. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you keep your word, that you show up, that you show us the way forward. Lord, I thank you for this. Keep us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.